0: The beauty is in simplicity. So I don't want to make this approach complicated. Do what you want with this. This is the mind map. This is the connection points, right, for you. And that's it.
1: This season, Andy and Mark are back with a fantastic group of guests.
2: I've been to depths that remain classified, and Mark keeps his head in the clouds. With our combined experience in the industry, we can go from the bare metal to
1: the boardroom. In DevOps sauna season three, we'll explore platform engineering and the people and cultures that make it happen. Enjoy your time in the DevOps sauna. Okay, we're back. And once again, it's Mark Dillon here with my cohort, Andy Allred. Hello again, great to be here. All right. I'm super excited this week to have Pavel Pivosh on our podcast. Pavel, I've seen some of the work that you've done, some of your other talks, and some of the submissions that you've done. For example, the DevOps conference, which is coming up in March of 2023. And I just feel the passion from your work. And when we spoke here in the pregame before the podcast, I could feel that you're a storyteller and that you have a lot to give us. So tell us a little bit about how did you give into DevOps and what's your approach?
0: Sure. Hello, everyone. Thank you for this invitation. I'm really happy to be here with you. So yeah, I've got uh, more than 20 years of experience in IT field. So I saw many things which I don't want to see again. And uh, in some way i try to encourage others to not only do not make mistakes but to make mistakes in fact because this is the best way of learning right so this is uh, this is what i've done many many times and uh, if one day you will have an event about mistakes i can fill the whole event really with my stories so 20 years in IT started as a sysop and then PATH was like uh, right next to me, like in natural way, right? So first of all, DevOps appeared. We start to think about some change in the approach. So I started to look on DevOps, then on Agile, then on value stream uh, management and mapping. Uh, right now I'm focusing on CI/CD uh, in the whole scope of this, and everything is interconnected. So yes, I still have like more ops than Dev experience. I'm not a developer. I can write a script, not an application, and the scripts are well, they are. Yeah, that's that's the path, and I think that DevOps is emerging more and more as a, a, not only a framework or connection, that's it's even more than
1: that. So you actually got into DevOps before Agile?
0: Uh, yes. I'm big enemy of saying that I am DevOps engineer. I'm big enemy of DevOps engineer at all, because DevOps for me is not the position, the role, the person, but I started from it. And it was that learning path that uh, Agile came to, to me a little bit later. Then uh, learning Agile, I discovered, let's say, uh, Lean, which is the foundation of DevOps, really, right? And foundation of uh, all agile methodologies, in fact. And I close this picture from another way, like uh, almost everything in my life. So, um, But this gives me also the, I would like to say, unique perspective on the things, because uh, when you approach things from the behind, it's definitely harder to go through this all these wires around, right? So so the path is not just the golden blocks be, before you, you. You need to really, really uh, know what you do and, and think about what you do.
2: I loved what you said about making mistakes and everything. And I found a quote recently that I just love that says, uh, only a fool learns from his own mistakes. A wise person learns from others' mistakes. I think it's really important that we kind of share that, hey, I've seen this fail spectacularly, and this is why I do it a different way now instead of, I did this once and it was fantastic. So I'm kind of curious, what types of problems, what types of troubles were you seeing and difficulties that led you to looking into DevOps?
0: One of my biggest, let's say, fails in early days of my career was uh, to delete the whole data files for the uh, for the end of day procedure in bank. Uh, it was quite interesting uh, what uh, what was done after that, and this was my. Uh, maybe not first, but first very conscious approach to automate things, right? Because here we have the process, which can be um, done in the wrong way very easily because generally it was done like on 3 a.m. in the morning. So, well, we are not that you know sharp at that time and we do it regularly. So why to do it manually, right? So what we can do? in order to make this uh, more robust, more stable, more efficient. In that time, I approached this uh, topic and created uh, the, the, the scripting for it. And it was uh, like a simple script, but anyway, it was uh, something what makes people like uh, relieved for this process, right? It was simple. It was easy. And no mistake like that happen again. And, you know, in that uh, area, I have to disagree a little bit that you cannot learn on your own mistakes because we, you know, we have this uh, saying that like a fail fast, fix fast, right? But I would uh, say a little bit differently, fail fast, fix fast, learn fast. So it's not the problem if you make a mistake. It's a problem when you make this mistake again. Right, So it means that you didn't learn anything from it. But yes, it's the learning process also for others. This is very important. And, and uh, if someone else did this mistake, why do not learn from it? And this is the best way for, for yourself.
2: Right? Yeah, if you don't learn from your own mistakes, that's really, really foolish. And uh, I've, I've made quite a number myself, so nothing, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> that's what makes you smart. You know? Yes. But uh, I, I, uh, I, this is the best exactly, way of learning. Really. Exactly. And then the key thing is that that is a fantastic way to learn, but it's very inefficient if everybody learns the same thing by failing first. So let's talk about it and and kind of learn from others at the same time.
0: Um, Yes, exactly. That's why uh, during the DevOps Academy, which I lead, I prepared a couple of tasks, let's say, where the troubleshooting is uh, in scope, right? And uh, how to troubleshoot things, You, you need to have something broken. So I have a couple of, for example, for Linux, I have a couple of machines which are broken by me deliberately, and people need to fix them. So they need to troubleshoot them. So even if they do kind of mistake, uh, later, they have uh, at least some muscle memory, hopefully, to fix the things. And also, before they hit enter with some commands, they maybe think, oh, this may lead to something like that, right? So maybe I shouldn't run this command. So, so yeah, that, that's a simplification uh, of the whole process, but definitely, uh, definitely yes. And honestly, the mistakes are, first of all, the, the great learning process for others and also great learning opportunity for the troubleshooting skills because troubleshooting in a working system is not troubleshooting at all, right? So, so how to teach it, or let's say, this way.
1: You reminded me of a conversation once. I knew a couple of guitar builders that would build guitars by hand. And one of them would kind of go where the wood took him. And the other one uh, was a German guy, and he knew exactly what he wanted. And they were having a discussion about these kind of techniques. And the conversation between them went like, the level of craftsmanship is how well you cover your mistakes, was from the German perspective. And then from the, from the American perspective, it's like, you know, the wood tells you which direction to go. So it's like your mistakes actually lead you into a certain direction or not. I think there's a lot with what Pavel is and Andy are describing here.
0: Yes, and there is always the, the sweet spot in between, right? So <laughs> <laughs> Yes.
1: Yes, indeed. I saw on your uh, on your website uh, that you have uh, a really interesting mind map. And I have to tell you, this is something that we've actually kind of been looking at inside of Eficode for like when we start to assess companies' capabilities. And, you know, we have lots of products. There's uh, lots of DevOps kind of companies can come in uh, and look at what you're doing and help you kind of understand your capabilities. But I was absolutely just, I, th- I think it was ab- beautifully done. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how did this happen and and where are you going with it how are you going to use it what are you doing
0: yeah well, uh, thank you for your kind words about that uh so it, it came to by accident let's say as greatest invention in this world right so i already positioned my mind as a greatest invention okay It came to me like couple of years ago when I uh, used to work with one customer when we had to design approach to many things. Um, One was of course the architecture, but also from the DevOps perspective to establish the pipelines, establish the process, establish the CI/CD vision for the team. And uh, I was thinking how to start with that because you know the discussion is good, uh, but. For many of us, visualization of the discussion is uh, a way how we can remember and connect the dots. Um, a colleague of mine, the, the art- architect, uh, well, was using the mind maps. And I thought, hey, this is the way. Right. So I spent some time to just pinpoint the most important elements which I want to discuss then we discussed those elements and after the discussion i spent my time of course as well to connect the dots between the elements in this mind map in other words it was very easy to see that for example this way of doing things is completely not negotiable in another element for example. The branching strategy is not compatible with the de- deployment fra- strategy. Of course, we can do it, but it will be definitely harder. Or we have this limitation in the security area which uh, this allows us to to use a spe- specific tool for example. Based on this, I started to think how to grow this approach because it helped me a lot uh, in discussions about CI/CD, how to design, how to understand the CI/CD. And I thought, you know what? There is a problem and this is not only the problem in devops area but in agile area at, at all uh, so for example if we talk about scrum right we position scrum very often uh, for the team but it's not the team who sell the product it's the organization and many o- many times very often uh, this organization is a big one and have multiple teams And they need to scale somehow the scrum. So we have SAFE, we have another uh, approaches. This is the one element of the puzzle which was interested for me. And the second element of the puzzle was uh, also... Uh, from the technical perspective, right? So we allow the teams to select the tooling, the to select the approaches, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So in fact we created or we allowed to create uh, small kingdoms in our organization. It means that we didn't have or we do not have the control over the tool set, sometimes licensing, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And we can end with having free teams with free the same or free tools from different vendors, license at three times, doing the same thing. And that was the second uh, element of the puzzle which I joined. And on the end, I came to think how to expand this idea. And mind map was there, right? So I started to work on this mind map with very, very specific idea in mind. This. Approach, I call this framework, but this is maybe too big word for this. Uh, this approach is not creating any roles, any specific processes, anything like that. This is just the guide where you think about the CICD, the process of CICD, who is responsible for what, what is done, why, here, there, why, when, etc., etc., etc. So uh, this is something what can be used like from now. By everyone, right? So I wanted to create something very lightweight, something what I thought is already done, but looks like it's not necessarily there because I had a lot of discussions about that. That yes, we thought about something like that, but we didn't know how to start. Uh, So this, I just, you know, spread this uh, sparkle of my bright intellect uh, in this way.
1: The, the, I really like the fact that you kind of just put down, like you said, it's not about specific processes, definitely not about specific tools, but it has this kind of immutable quality to it. It's like everybody needs to understand or at least talk about these things. And I think that's where the value really comes.
0: Yes, I agree, and you know that uh, the, also the nice thing about this uh, mind map itself is that you can start in whatever you want. So there is no starting or ending point. You can start the discussion in any area you want, and go through any areas and y- y- you really want, right? And uh, it will work for small teams and it will work for uh, bigger organizations. So that's uh, I think the beauty of, of it and that was my goal really to do something what is scalable by design.
1: Am I the only person that uh, here anyway that always looks at a mind map and starts on the same area?
0: Um, well, I think it depends on the mind map, right? But
1: <laughs> No, it doesn't. It shouldn't. All clocks start with 12. And usually mind maps don't have something at 12, so it's at one o'clock. And when I picked this up, I was like, okay, branching strategy is first.
0: And lo- logically, it is first, right? Because this <laughs> is where the CICD starts. And yeah. um, generally, I started this, <laughs> this idea from it. It always depends on what is the issue you want to answer right and uh, why you start to using some some spe- specific approach because if you will have uh, heavily in your mind that for example the security and tooling and this is the your area of interest right now, you probably will navigate with your eyes to the proper branch, right? But if you start something generic, I think there is still some work for me to to make this generic view a little bit better than it is right now, but you can do it as well, right? So so this is also something uh, what uh, I don't want to force. If you want to go just around the clock, please go, right? (laughs) If you want to go counterclockwise, Go away. In my mind, always about devops and before about sysop, I have one sentence in my mind: the beauty is in simplicity. So I don't want to make this approach complicated. Do what you want with this. This is the mind map. This is the connection points, right for you, and that's it.
1: Is there like a, like I used to have kind of a starting point um, when I would start to look at a software organization, if I took a new job there or if I was interviewing or being interviewed or something, I always used to think about, you know, like, is there a smoke test and work backwards And then is there any level of product management and work forwards or, you know, start on the right and go left and then start on the left and go right. How do you approach, like if you were looking at a company, how they do their work, what kind of approach? Of course, you're going to ask questions and that things, but like what's your go to? This
0: is a very important topic, because here we have uh, Conway Law, right? And it is very important to understand the logic inside the company, the organization, and how the communication looks like, because this is presented later in the designed architecture, designed software, and created software, really. And this is the first place where it's nice let's say to learn how it works right so what are the communication channels uh, how people are communicating with each other how it works really so so i would start there on the beginning right talking right so maybe we should have another dev aesthetics ops which will be dev talk ops but this is something what uh, what i prefer in this case talk uh, with people and uh, Honestly, look uh, behind the lines. It's very important what they say, uh, but it's also very important what they do not say. With experience of course, with years in specific areas, with years in IT, you have better gut feelings about things, I would say. But what I learned that uh, you know this this approach uh, can be quite beneficial.
2: I like when you were talking about the different team and everything and small kingdoms, and then we usually talk about silos, but you use small kingdoms, and I thought that's sometimes even more appropriate. And then when, when Mark asked about where do you look at first in mind map, I also went straight to branching strategy because it's kind of the number one clock <laughs> position. And then just thinking that every single team is like, well, this is the way to do branching. It's the only thing that makes sense and then you brought it back also with Conway's law of you know what you have you know the way your organization is structured is how your product comes out and then just thinking how many of these companies who i have worked with that their branching strategy is completely different in every team and every single one of their products delivers and looks nice and none of them seem to work well with the other ones it's like they came from different companies just the way you were talking about this and bringing it up, it kind of, my mind focused on exactly this, that because the teams don't talk with each other and don't talk around a common framework like this, they end up fragmented on seemingly trivial things that turns out to be that the products just don't feel like they came from the same place it almost feels like it should be obvious but somehow it's not so how do we make it more obvious or reveal it or
0: that's right i even love very often that uh, when you look on aws console and uh, especially when you uh, want to delete resources it should be like a very very common thing, right? But you need to confirm, for many resources, you need to confirm that you delete the resource. In one type of resources, you need to write delete me. In another, you need to write confirm. In another, you need to put the name of the resource. So uh, even that simple thing, right? And this is also visible here. Uh, One team will use uh, GitFlow Gitflow approach, second will use trunk-based development and everything looks all right, as long as you don't, uh, as you start to uh, look on the whole picture, but also like a, I call it like instant zoom in, zoom out, right? So here, there you start to see these inconsistencies inside. This may not lead to problems, maybe. But uh, the point is that if you have a process or two processes between two teams, which should cooperate very closely because they're elements their components are very tightly connected and one has completely different process than another in case of any issue there may be a really really serious problem a good example can be with rollback strategies right we have two types of rollback strategies rollback back and rollback forward what can go wrong with two components which are very tightly connected where one component will be rolled back back and second forward right so It may work, yes, why not? But I'm not very convinced this is a good idea, right? So the point is to to look on, I think at least, point is to look from the issue perspective. And from the issue perspective on, let's say, product level where our being as a company is in risk, how quickly and how well we can recover from it. Having this picture, gives us this perspective on, on the, the whole components there. I'm not sure if the approach with Chaos Monkey will help here because Chaos Monkey works a little bit differently, right? We probably have to have kind of a Chaos CD Monkey or something like that. Um, which will do think more deeper than, than, than just, you know, uh, turn on, off some services. And this is kind of another word here, I think. Right? In my perspective, how team is organized is very important, of course, right? And we can um, have this self-establishing team, self-organized teams, etc. 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 And this perfectly fine. But on the end of the day, it's not the team who sell the product in the market. It's not the it's not the product itself. The product is something bigger, right? And contains not only IT, contains business contains, marketing contains, many, many uh, other elements which are also important. And, and we, we cannot forget it uh, in uh, our you know simple work in the trenches.
1: Hi, it's Mark again. If you'd like to hear more, Pavel will be speaking at the DevOps conference in May, 2023. This is an online interactive event where thousands of people gather every year. I'll leave a sign-up link for you in the show notes. Also, if you'd like to see Pavel's website, it's cicd.run. There you'll find his DevOps model and a bunch of other cool stuff. Now back to the show. I'm going to connect the dots by reading your words back to you, because this is one of the, the most brilliant things I've seen in a while. If DevOps is the heart of your organization, then value stream management should be the brain and CICD the bloodstream.
0: Yeah, I'm quite proud of this, <laughs> honestly speaking. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have an emergency uh, and this came from one of the customers that, uh, you know, that, that DevOps is, let's say, heart of the organization and CICD is the backbone. But uh, backbone, even if it's flexible, Uh, like CICD should be, is uh, not proper in my mind. This is the construction, right? Only the construction of of the things. And CICD is the element which uh, delivers, like a bloodstream, right? And this bloodstream is controlled by heart, which is DevOps in this case, right? This is the part of uh, one of the most important part of DevOps, I think. And this needs to be controlled by something. And this something is, of course, brain. Brain is uh, saying to heart, pump more, pump less, etc., etc. And the same happened here. But the brain needs to understand what to do and how to understand it. And I think at this point of my career that the value stream is the best tool to understand that because value stream is giving you the holistic view uh, of the process where you have problems, where you have bottlenecks, where you have waste. And also from the proper perspective, where should you look first? Because uh, it's not the big deal to just fix the easiest bottleneck, but it may create even bigger bottlenecks somewhere else. So you need to be very smart um how you approach to this. And without understanding the whole scope, you will not understand where you where to start. And this value stream, when we map the value stream, I think the majority of it is covered by CI CD. If we think about CI C D from the start of the code to deliver to production. This is the pipeline, right? And of course, it's not one-to-one description, but, but still big part of this uh, map is covered somehow by CICD. So, so the connection is there, right? So even if the blood is not going directly inside, deeply in your mind or in your brain, it's still controlled there, right? So
1: Yeah, and the, the thing that's interesting to me is when we do a value stream map of, let's say, uh, a cycle, so what you talked about, Bovel, the the code cycle. And we show that it's kind of a garbage in, garbage out situation. Then we go to the head of the chain and we look at the portfolio management and we look at the product management and we look at how the service desk tickets are processed. We look at how sales um, information and CRM is working as the front end of that value stream. But you you also said an interesting word in the quote that I, I read here, which is you you talk about value stream management. So would you like to tell us any stories about the um, activities or the actions in managing an existing value stream?
0: Uh, that's, uh, that's always a kind of uh, tricky uh, thing because uh, you know, the main reason why this kind of exercise is not working well for many companies is because not the proper people are inside the process so the problem is that in order to properly work with value stream the same is with devops and with agile really it needs to go through the whole organization right from head to to feet everyone needs to be involved in the same way so those people in the team, their management, and also the the C-level. This is very important here. Why? Because C-level has the opportunity. I'm not saying that they are using this, but they have the opportunity to somehow disturb the the flow right very easily saying for example yes i understand you have a scrum and sprint etc etc but this is my task which is the most important in the world right and everything is gone um so so this uh, is uh, here uh, very important and uh, what is the power of the value stream mapping in this management is that the uh, map is showing this graphically and also with numbers and this works, right? Because uh, from the uh, high management perspective, they look on the numbers, right? And those numbers can justify things uh, easily, or hopefully easily, if you if you do the mapping proper, properly. But the mapping here is only part of the process, right? Because uh, it's easy to map the existing process. It's easy to say, okay, this is my future state, and and what, right? And then uh, is the whole process of pushing this forward, and uh, this make the the things really interesting because uh, this is the place where where you can fail easily, I would say. Right?
2: Yeah, and you know we've been talking a lot about the value stream mapping and looking at everything, and and especially I, I really like this framework. I'm just looking this again, and I really enjoy it, <laughs> and I'm just thinking that there's a lot of stuff in here that really just makes common sense. But then I've been doing this for decades. Mark's been doing this for decades. You've been doing this for decades. So it makes sense to us. We were talking earlier about all the mistakes we've made. So we've learned from those and we've figured out that, hey, branching strategy, rollback strategy, deployment strategy, of course, linked together, it's obvious. But it's not obvious for everyone. So I think having a framework like this is really interesting and good, not only to share with everybody else, hey, here's like a checklist of things you want to think about and a visualization of how they kind of link together, but also as a checklist for us as well, that then I remember, ah, that's right, this kind of rollback strategy. I remember the time when, so now we want to make sure we avoid this.
0: Uh, yes, that, that's sure. This is kind of a reminder for us even, right? So why we write notes when we do things? Why we write procedures for us right? So in, in different kind of tools? Why we have readme's in GitHub repositories? We know those stuff. We can even figure it out if we don't know that, right? But, but why to reinvent, reinvent the wheel? right someone did it before so why to not use this uh, this knowledge and do not waste our own power time whatever to do it again i think that even 10 years or even more uh, after i did my last end-of-day procedure in bank uh, i still remember 80 percent of it and probably i can do it from my head right now but i will never do it without the procedure it's very easy to just forgot about something about one argument or whatever when we talk about different frameworks different methodologies etc cetera, etc cetera, very often we say this is a set of best practices or good ways of doing things and i think that this is the best way of thinking about that kind of uh, mind maps right this is uh, the helping hand for you it's not the law It's just the helping hand right so to to ensure that you can discuss uh, everything what you want to discuss and uh, and nothing will uh, will just um, elude you right
2: working as a consultant pretty much every single time the answer always is it depends and the tricky part is it depends on what how do you know what does it depend on so I really like this uh, this framework, which maps out value streaming and environments and measurements and KPIs and branching strategy and monitoring and security. And it's a checklist to go through everything, but it really gives a good visualization of when I'm thinking, what's a good tool selection? What's a good decision to make for X, Y, and Z? The answer is it depends, it depends on what, and here we have a list of things to look at.
0: Yeah, that's true, and you know, the the thing is that we should look, and I know how it will sound, Uh, we should look on our kids. What our kids do, they ask, why, 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 right? And with some why in the chain, you start to feel uncomfortable, and this is the point, this is the root. Right. This is the place where, uh, where everything starts. Why you need to do in in the specific way. So really, this uh, we have different uh, approaches to wise, three wise, five wise, eight wise, whatever number you want. But uh, anyway, going with this uh, wise that deep that you feel that yes, finally you touch the the this problem. Right? Because when you just answer, that means that you know why. You did this. So what happens that it came to this why? I think that uh, this is quite uh, also important to take this approach.
2: And I've also kind of learned that there's no such thing as best practices. There's just good practices given a certain set of constraints and then knowing what constraints there are which is affecting this decision helps you understand that and you get to that by asking why.
0: Uh, Yes, exactly. Uh, So uh, the the, the example here can be very simple. When you start analyzing some solution, you can easily say, "What, what, what are the crazy, stupid things you've done here, right? But it will lead you to the black hole, really. If you understand why it was done this way, because there was a good reason for it, right? This is the answer. Then This is the, the place where you can start to craft evolution or change in this place. I believe this is also a very important element uh, to understand that these uh, questions, uh, everything is coming to, to the question, why? Right? What is the historical reason for this this specific solution? And, and then everything is clear. That is not just stupid idea. It's the best idea from this uh, specific set of requirements. Right?
2: The junior consultant goes in and says, this is stupid. What kind of idiot came up with that? And the client says, that would be me. Thank you.
0: Oh, it was for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. The senior, senior developer goes in and says, this is not what I would have expected. Help me understand why this was a good choice.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, 25 years, I I tend to laugh that 25 years I came to IT not to talk with people. But uh, today, uh, IT, especially in in the area of DevOps, consultancy and and agile, this kind of sphere, is people business, right? And if uh, we need to learn this, uh, like a soft skill of human skill or or, or whatever we call it, um, in order to understand each other a little bit better because, yes, we get rid of silos. Well, did we? Uh, Anyway, and uh, we need to build a competency which is more vast than just our our real expertise, right? And uh, this, this human touch is very, very needed here.
2: Yeah, given my background on submarines, we had all kinds of technical stuff and sometimes silos means a little bit different thing. But that's a uh, <laughs> that's uh, <yeah>. another discussion. <laughs> but uh, yeah. there's all kinds of amazing tech that I worked with in the military and doing electronic warfare and stuff. There was so incredible, unbelievable stuff that I got to play with. But one thing I learned was every single thing we were doing on the tech side was to help a human fulfill a mission. And so even though I'm, I'm really the tech guy and the IT guy and I'm the one who's going to be in the server room till three o'clock in the morning because that's my hobby and I think it's fun. But the interacting with people and understanding how the people work is where all the value comes and that's the point of the whole thing.
0: Yeah, that, that that is true, and you know it's uh, quite tough to to develop all of those skills because they are so different. And even in the technical area, that when we were in silo, right, it was simple. We had one operating system, we have one application, maybe one database. We have help of D B A guys who manage this database inside. Simple time, think right. And even then, twenty five years ago, I heard that in order to stay along with the system, you need two years of experience. Today, something unbelievable, right? No one will spend two years on the technology to, uh, especially in DevOps area, because the technology is changing so fast. Right? Uh, we need to have different approaches and uh, maybe good enough approach is good enough. Also, this people aspect, and uh, sometimes I heard from my colleagues, uh, if we work together, I work, you, Pavel, you will talk, right? So I'm from, for talking and someone is for work. Uh, but still, uh, this is a very important element, right? Building this relationship, building the trust, building the understanding between the parties, build the agreement, let's say, that we work towards the common goal, and this common goal is to make our lives happier. That's the key sounds easy.
1: What better way to do that than to bring people together across the entire organization to look at the value stream of how they actually, you know, understand the opportunity, develop it and turn it into an offering. So I think, you know, I've never thought of value stream mapping in just such a a human kind of way before but it's really it's about every single human interaction more than the processes and the tools that are there uh,
0: yes and, and when you have the proper culture in the organization when the let's say um, junior developer is not afraid to say to to his own CTO that uh, hey I have better idea here or I have different idea let's say this way this can lead to not only to better solution technical solution right but also to better, better connection inside organization right so and and this is really what uh, what we want to achieve right the, of course it's not my company someone else owned it but how deep i feel responsible for this company is also important for the quality of my work quality of my life quality of the life of my colleagues etc etc et right so so there are many layers on this like in the onion
1: I have to say, this has been really fantastic, Pavel. I can't wait to see you speaking again. But I've got two more questions for you. These are personal questions and something we've been asking everybody that comes on the podcast. The first one is, remember back when you were a child, the first thing that you wanted to be when you grow up. What's the earliest memory you have?
0: I think it was the pilot, and very quickly after that, it was like an astronaut, because uh, I came to the, let's say, astronomy very quickly in my life. I, I think I was six or something like that when I read uh, or I just look on my first uh, astronomy kind of book. And yeah, I think it was the thing. Then the second, uh, because of my eyes, etc., etc., the second was to be astronomer. But uh, yeah, I'm the IT guy. <laughs> All
1: right. Red shifts and blue shifts. Yeah. (laughs) Shift left and shift right. Cool. All right. Second question. Was there a point in your life where you either realized, crystallized that you're on the right path, or you realized, "Uh uh-oh, I need to change the road that I'm on?
0: Yeah. It happened a few years back. It was quite tough period of time uh, in my life uh, but I believe this was also uh, the trampoline for me to be where I am right now so it was like more maybe not aha moment but oh moment Um, that uh, the direction where I go is maybe not the Perfect for me, so I can use the thing what I want to do, but not necessarily go into that direction, you know, directly. And that's why I started to bring more agile approach, this human approach into into DevOps. Yeah, it was... um, I think that everyone has this kind of moment in his life, right? So, so there is a, a situation which uh, brings some better understanding of yourself, right? So,
1: excellent. Once again, Bobble, we could do this all day. I, I, I could easily talk to you all day. But thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yep.
0: thank you very much. You know, I, I'm like a good politician, so I cannot uh, speak quickly. I need to talk for two hours. <laughs>
1: Okay, and thank you once again uh, for the support, Andy. Yeah, thank you. This has been really fun.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. It was really great to be here.
1: Before we go, let's give our guest an opportunity to introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about who we are.
0: Hello, everyone. My name is Pavel Pivosz, and I tend to think about myself as a DevOps kind of coach. Uh, so I try to join uh, multiple areas in the DevOps work, human touch, technical stuff, processes as well. Um, I authored the framework, let's say boldly about it, about the CI CD, how to design, how to approach to CI C D. And uh, I believe this uh, may be useful for you to uh, look at and to use in your work. I've got a lot of experience in IT work and right now I work as a consultant and also lead the DevOps Academy at uh, at IPAM, where we shape new types of engineers, hopefully with big success.
1: My name is Mark Dillon. I'm a lead consultant in the transformation business at Efficode.
2: My name is Andy Allred and I'm doing platform engineering at Efficode.
1: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like and subscribe. It means the world to us. Also, check out our other interesting talks and tune in for our next episode. Take care of yourself and remember what really matters is everything we do with machines is to help humans.